Tasha Carradine sitting in for Alex Pearson this eve of the long weekend and a lot of people talking about the relationship of Canada and China this week. A lot of things happening, including Chinese jets that buzzed Canadian naval ships in the East China Sea. Two J-20 stealth fighter jets of the Chinese People's Liberation Army Air Force uh, apparently buzzed a Canadian warship and a supply vessel that were operating in international waters. Um, and uh, this were two warplanes, actually, SU-30s, rocketed within 300 meters of the frigate HMCS Regina and the MV Asterix, flying about 30 meters above the ocean surface. Now, it's scary enough to read about that here, but uh, imagine if you were actually on the ship when it happened. Matthew Fisher, longtime foreign correspondent and right now resident visiting scholar at Massey College, is actually on the ship and he joins us now. Hi, Matthew. Hi, good morning or good afternoon for you. Yeah, what time is it where you are? It is just after 9 on Saturday morning. Okay, well, you are currently still in the region. Uh, Are you still on the ship in question? No, I I got off the ship uh, a couple of days ago. The incident you were referring to happened Monday afternoon in the East China Sea. Okay, so were you on the ship at the time that it uh, it was buzzed? I was indeed. In fact, I was on the ship for 13 days as it went up from Vietnam to China through all these disputed waters, the South China Sea, the Strait of Taiwan, and into the East China Sea bordering on the Yellow Sea. All of those waters have competing claims, but it's uh, uh, China that claims the most by far all the way. Okay, I'm going to ask you about the political implications in a second. What went through your mind when a warship started bearing down on the ship that you're standing on? Well, I've seen this before. I don't want to sound like I'm jaded, but uh, (laughs) I've spent a lot of my life in war zones, and I've seen a lot of fighter jets uh, at extremely low altitude, and I've also seen them dropping bombs and everything. So in that context, this wasn't as dramatic as it might be for other people. But as a civilian on board, uh, I certainly uh, was... um, uh, alarmed by this and surprised by this. I should say the crew of the ship were not. It's not that they expected it, per se, but they were prepared for it, per se. And um, they they behaved very professionally, very calmly, uh, as they went through the things they need to go, uh, do when there is such a close approach. That jet came so close, uh, it came right across the bow, at an altitude of about 100 meters and about 300 meters distance. So you can imagine the kind of ruckus that would create if it happened in your neighborhood or in downtown Toronto. Uh, A tremendous noise. So much noise, in fact, uh, that you could uh, hear it over the din of the ship, and warships make their own noise uh, as they proceed, and also there's fairly high winds uh, associated uh, with uh, traveling at sea. But you could still clearly... Uh, hear the noise uh, of these uh, jets. And it was unexpected because over the previous day, the Chinese had had all kinds of warplanes near the Canadian ship, but at an altitude of uh, 10,000 feet and at a distance of uh, five or eight kilometers, sorry to mix kilometers and miles and whatnot. 
but uh, so a fair distance away. This was uh, uh, very, very different, much, much uh, closer. And uh, as the uh, the captain of the Regina, uh, Jake French, said, uh, it certainly got the Canadians' attention, and they take such things very, very seriously. What happens when it, you know, when it when there is that that close approach? Is there a protocol that the ship goes into lockdown or something, or what do they do? Well, no, they don't go into lockdown. They are prepared uh, at all times uh, to fight uh, for the ship, to defend the ship. But it did not come to that um, because uh, it still was a fair distance away. uh, And literally, because these jets were moving so fast, the incident was over in five or ten seconds. I mean, it just happens like that. But the Canadians were aware that they were coming because the Canadian ship uh, has radar. So Canada was prepared, but uh, you have to understand that there's sort of rules of the road for this with warplanes and warships uh, separately and also when they operate together. And uh, according to the Canadians, since uh, they set out from Vietnam, the Chinese always followed the rules of the road. Uh, they have been polite in their actions, interactions with the Canadians, with radio hails and whatnot. This incident was a bit different. Uh, you might say it was rude, but it wasn't terrible. And we, we have to remember it was certainly fell very, very, very far short of an act of war. Okay, uh, but what kind of message were they trying to send flying so close? Well, uh, of course, in Canada, everybody wants to say or believe it's connected to the Huawei uh, extradition, Ms. Meng sort of business uh, out in British Columbia. Uh, That may be the case, but I I don't think it is. Uh, Over the past couple of years, China has been claiming more and more aggressively waters in Western uh, in the Western Pacific, and Western nations, including Canada, have been pushing back by sending warships and sometimes aircraft through to say these are international waters. And that, in fact, is what uh, the Regina was doing. The Winnipeg, the HMCS Winnipeg, did that two years ago. So did the HMCS Ottawa. And last year, the HMCS Calgary was in the same region. The difference is Canada decided to send its warships in to these regions two years ago. So clearly not a response to this extradition business. But the fact that it was a Canadian ship that was buzzed so closely, I don't know what goes on in the mind of Xi Jinping and the, the, the Chinese rulers. Maybe it was a specific message for Canada. But it fits with the message they're giving all Western navies. There have been similar, although not exact, uh, interactions this year between the Australian Navy. The, uh, their pilots were lasered. Their helicopter pilots were lasered by a Chinese warship. The Americans have had uh, difficulties, uh, France and the United Kingdom, when their warships have gone through, uh, t- uh, the chi- Chinese have gotten very upset. So we have to, I think, look at it in this context. China is doing more to assert its belief or position that all these waters practically belong to them and the international position every other country in the world says these are international waters and uh, china wants to have its way it wants to push the americans out of in particular the south china sea and have it uh, so that it's uh, a chinese lake if you like and the u.s navy is resisting that and trump 
love him or hate him, in the last two years has managed to convince a lot of allies to contribute far more assets in the Western Pacific. Canada has done that. We now, uh, I don't think Canadians know it, but we have an almost persistent presence that is almost 12 months of the year there is a Canadian warship in the region and very often in these disputed waters. So uh, Canada, along with its allies, has really ratcheted up the pressure on one side, and China continues to push out. To me, to follow the Canadian ship as they did, the warships followed the Canadian uh, warship, uh, the Regina, and the supply ship MV Asterisk for 4,000 miles for 13 days. Well, that's the breadth of Canada, you know, uh, to have somebody one or two miles off your bow or stern or uh, port or starboard, but always so close to you is quite remarkable. And it was a revolving cast. Two warships would come out. Then as they would leave, three would show up. And then sometimes it was one. The Chinese Coast Guard came out as well. And all the time they're hailing the Canadians on the radio. Many, many hail challenging them to identify themselves. Quite fascinating stuff, but the kind of arcane, I guess, for most Canadians to understand. Well, but important, though, I mean, we keep hearing about the economic, the trade war between countries, but military conflict, we hear less. And uh, I'm wondering, you know, the, the overall goal here, I mean, how important is it to keep this international waterway open? What would happen if the Chinese did successfully assert control over it? Well, trillions of dollars of world trade go through, in particular, the South China Sea. Um, it's well more than half of the world's trade that goes through these waters. Uh, the United States and other countries have kept that passage, and it's a very large piece of water, totally open uh, since really modern commerce began. Uh, China claims it would do the same, but do we uh, in the West want China to control all of those waters, because they could, for example, cut off all the oil shipments to Japan very, very easily. Well, Japan is an important partner of countries such as Canada. They could do the same to South Korea. They could do it to all of their neighbors. And uh, so the world wants this to remain international. China is saying it is ours, it has always been ours, and uh, you will be allowed in, but only on our terms. It's a bit like what we get in the trade negotiations. I see all of these things together and as part of a continuum. China is getting more and more aggressive about trade. Look at what they've done with Canada about canola and pork. Uh, But they've done it with other countries when they don't get their way, and this may happen in Canada very soon. All of a sudden, all the Chinese tourists dry up. They disappear. This happened in Japan. This happened in South Korea. This happened in the Philippines. I think it happened in Denmark, too. China is taking a much more robust position. And frankly, they don't give a damn what Canada or any other country thinks. They state their position, and that is that. They're not really open to negotiation, and that is why I think our prime minister constantly trying to talk to them. You don't talk to the Chinese through negotiation, because even if they negotiate with you, the moment the negotiation is complete, they totally ignore what they've agreed to anyway, and go on their merry way. Wow. Well, listen, I want to thank you for bringing this um, gloomy, if important, uh, obviously, uh, perspective to this uh, issue that we talk so much about, but not so much about the military side of it. Uh, Matthew Fisher is a longtime foreign and war correspondent, and he's right now visiting scholar for foreign military policy at Massey College, coming to us from roughly the South China Sea. Thank you so much for your time today, Matthew. 
Thank you, and watch this. It's going to get worse before it gets better. All right, thanks.